This is exactly right. If you're a fan of meticulously crafted worlds that reimagine every little detail, then you'll enjoy the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Host Eric Malinsky spent over a decade working in public radio and uses those skills to create a sound-rich podcast that features interviews with Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian, the writers of hit TV shows like Star Trek Strange New Worlds, designers of games like Magic the Gathering, and the puppeteer who designed Miss Piggy. You can find Imaginary Worlds wherever you're listening to this podcast. Welcome to another episode of I Saw What You Did. My name is Millie DeCherico. I'm Danielle Henderson. And we're the film podcast that cares. Are we? Not really. Sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, speak for yourself, bitch. <laughs> we know that. <laughs> we know. We know. Um, I'm kidding. You're okay. having rage workouts these days. So I, I really, I really am. Um, I posted about this on Instagram a few weeks ago, but I I hate working out in general, even though yeah. I keep buying things like maybe this will be the reason I work out. Maybe this will help me. And so I have stuff, but I hate using it. So I decided because my, you know, I went to my doctor, did all my appointments earlier this year, just to cross them off the old Uber list. And yeah. um, my doctor's like, you're doing great. Like, keep going. And, you know, I know you hate exercise, but, you know, just do like 15 minutes a day and start there and just do that for a while. And I was like, okay. And so that kind of gave me the idea. And, of course, I morphed it into something negative and, and awful. Um, but I thought, all right, 15 minutes, I can do that. And then every time I would, like, read something in the news, because, you know, we live in America. Um, so I'm reading about how they want to make gender studies illegal in certain states to major in in college for adults. Um, oh you know, they're constantly attacking trans rights and trans people. And I just really, I get so angry all the time, but I also can't not listen to the news. I I, I kind of have to engage a little bit because I enjoy knowing what's going on in the world. Right. Um, so what I decided to do was turn that frown upside down. And actually, that's not even true. I'm turning that frown into a much deeper frown. <laughs> like, turn, turn that, that frown up. Turn even frown, more. <laughs> turn up for what? <laughs> I like, so what I've decided to do is every time I read something that makes me mad or I see something that makes me mad, which could be like a Kardashian that comes across my Instagram feed, like anything that just like raise, raises the old blood pressure. Oh, sure. um, I just work out for 15 minutes. So I either hop on my treadmill, I jump on my little trampoline, or I pick up my kettlebell for 15 minutes. I have yeah. to choose one, one, of the, one of the three. And if I hit an hour and a half for the day, because I, I can't be the person who goes from zero to like working out seven hours a day, which yeah. I easily could do living in America and looking at the news. So then I have to meditate. So I kind of, I joked when I posted the video that like, oh, I meditate for like two hours a day just to indicate that I'm like furious all the time. But I probably meditate like a half hour a day. Um, okay. But it's been making me work out and I've been doing this for a couple of months and I've lost 30 pounds since November. <laughs> Whoa, that's incredible. And I just kind of feel like I'm not going to let America kill me or ruin my health anymore <laughs> because I've been living in this state of such... 
uh, anger and stress for the past few years, or really, you know, forever for most of my life. But it's sure. been exacerbated but for the past few years. Yeah. And I just can't keep letting this country ruin me personally. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, look, they always say, like, you know, if you want to do something, attach it to some other external reason, right? So, like, right. most people are like, well, if I work out, then I get to watch another episode of Vanderpump Rules or something on my iPad while I'm on the treadmill. But I right. like this angle of being like, well, I hate the fucking world right now, so let me channel that into rage on yeah. my kettlebell or whatever uh, trampoline. Yeah. Let me go for a little walk. Let me, I mean, some, t- some days it's all treadmill. Some days it's a mixture of three. Mm. You know, I kind of gave myself some options because I also know that, like, I don't want to do any of it. The thing yeah. I like the most is walking, but I don't want to do any of it. But jumping on a trampoline for 15 minutes will get your heart going. Yeah, that is... So I am very curious about your trampoline exercise experience because that, to me... It, I feel like there are definite like workout trends that kind of come back and the trampoline has and jump rope. But but yeah. these are things that I remember from being a child that now are like being used by like NBA basketball players during the offseason type of shit. And I'm like, OK, so now we're all jumping on trampolines, uh, which is great. I'm totally into that. But I'm like, is it a good workout? Do you feel like you've performed cardio exercise Because I would just be jumping around trying to do flips and be an idiot, but, you know. No, you cannot try to do flips. It it is, there are so many, if you, like, Google YouTube or YouTube, um, look up on YouTube trampoline workouts, there are so many people who have put so much effort into crafting a workout that let you feel it's yeah. real intense cardio, but it's low impact intense cardio. So it's like not hurting the joints. It's not hurt. Like I don't hurt when I'm done with it. Yeah. And there's this one, the, the reason I even started doing trampolines because I follow this woman on on Instagram who was posting about her own routine and she was really into it. And she's like, you know, I hate working out, but this is what got me going. And so I'm like, all right, I'll try it. So I got this little trampoline. I ordered one, put it together and, um, that she was the one who turned me on to this business called The Ness, N-E-S-S. Okay. And they have, like, really intense, but like, I shouldn't say intense, like, they have a variety of trampoline classes. And you can sign up for, like, a monthly pass, and or you could just do, like, a one-off class. Um, so I tried it, and I am not coordinated enough to do The Ness yet. Yes. So there are, like, much more low-key workouts that I have found that are workouts. Yeah. I mean, they're, it's working. Like, I'm losing weight and feeling good and my numbers are all down and my cholesterol's down. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, it's working. Dude, okay. So this is this is interesting because I... this There's a woman who used to be in my dance class, right? She has an Instagram. I don't think she's a fitness influencer in the traditional sense. I just think that she likes to film her workouts, which I have a lot of friends that film workouts. I have been on the border of filming one, but then I'm like, no, I look like shit. I am not. There's no example from this. I'm like sweating. Do people like film it just to check their form or like? Yeah, I think that that is, I think that that is what the original intention of people who film themselves are trying to do is especially if you're doing like weightlifting, you know, you want if you're doing a deadlift, you want to make sure that you're not like having in proper form. But sometimes I think people, I think now people just like to film themselves working out because it's 
maybe inspirational or they look good. They they've purchased a four hundred dollar sports bra and matching <laughs> leggings set. They just want to show it off. I don't know. Like or or they're trying to get sponsorships. I don't know. It's kind of a dark world. I gotta be honest. But I. Uh, but she films. She films herself, and she so. She was taking the class because, as you know, as I've talked about, this dance class that I've been taking for years and years and years has been going on for like 20 years. It's been, it's like a long term dance class that, uh, you know, people have been taking at various locations throughout Atlanta for like decades. Okay. At a certain point, she stopped coming to our class and everyone was like, oh, she's starting to take new classes at these, all these different places. And so, you know, I was following her on Instagram and she takes, the wildest classes. Like, things where I feel like it might be just an Atlanta thing. I'm not sure. But, like, like she takes this one class where it's literally, like, it it feels like, you know, those, like, step class, you know, like how they used to do aerobics in, like, the 90s. And it was, like, a step and people would yeah. be, like, stepping up and down. It's that except with, like, concrete blocks. <laughs> And it's an entire room of people doing a step routine on top of concrete blocks, like building blocks for like buildings. And then there's a guy with a microphone who's like screaming at people and like they're playing like 21 Savage or like Aesop Ferg or something like behind them. So it's like really loud, like trap music with somebody yelling and people jumping up and down on bricks. So I'm like, okay. Are you sure she hasn't been kidnapped? Like, I know, it's like, but essentially, she takes that class, which I thought, man, I want to take that class. That seems so fun. But then she takes a trampoline class, and it's kind of the same thing, where it's like a room full of people on these little mini trampolines, and they're playing trap music, and people are, like, <laughs> yelling, and it looks so intense. And I'm like, I kind of want to take that class. I know it seems crazy, but I'm like... And and everyone's sweating. Like, it looks like yeah. such an intense workout. So ever since I've seen that, I'm like, I got to check out this trampoline class. But, like, if you have a home trampoline and you're just doing the exercises, maybe I can, like, start with that and then yeah. attend the class. You know what I mean? I would never do a trampoline class, especially if trap music is, like, the core of that class. Like, I can't move at that pace <laughs> yet. I'm, I'm happy with where I am. I'm challenging <laughs> myself, but I can't. I'm not at trap music workout yet <laughs> uh, maybe I should aspire to that but <laughs> Atlanta has some of the wildest workout classes I think in the country and I say that yeah. because I keep seeing every once in a while on my Instagram like reels it'll pop up that there's like look at this 70 year old woman in this class like ripping it up and it's always in Atlanta or like look at this person who's got you know like it's just always like a person who you never expect to be working out at that level going so hard. I hope it's not me. I hope I'm not the 70-year-old. Somebody's like no. filming me secretly and being like, look at this 70-year-old woman who pushes beyond her physical limitations. She should be an inspiration to us all. <laughs> look at her go. <laughs> she came back. I can't believe she came back. She's 70. Can you believe that? <laughs> No, it's like, and it's wild, but it is always in Atlanta. So I don't know yeah. what is happening in Atlanta, but it's, or like, you know, those, uh, those, those, um, uh, spin classes where people are like really like bouncing and go always in Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, we just do things a little differently around here, but 
I, I think you're I think there's something to that though, because there there is this <laughs> so oh, I used to have a personal trainer many years ago before I moved to LA, right? And I'm not saying that to be fancy. He was just literally a dude that was assigned to me at LA Fitness. Okay. <laughs> it was not like I'm not like a Kardashian. Okay. I don't think you have to be a Kardashian to have a personal trainer. They exist well, you know out there I mean. for people like I us. <laughs> people, people seem to think that a personal trainer is like some fanciful, like now right. these are, a lot of times it's normal people who are just like, I need somebody to teach me how to do sit-ups or whatever. And that's kind of what I was doing. But I think I've talked about him before, but he he was like a firefighter and he was like yeah. the cutest dude ever. And he had two brothers and they were also firefighters and they were all like total muscle-bound gym guys they were just goofy they loved marvel movies like they're just like good-natured bros and so i still follow him on instagram and he has a personal trainer i didn't know you could be a personal trainer, the trainer has a tra- well look doctors have to have doctors or therapists have to have therapists maybe a trainer has to have a trainer and find out what's new and what's shaking yeah well, so, and I think it's because my Gerald, who's my old trainer, he is now moving into, like, professional bodybuilding, right? So gotcha. I think he's got, like, a coach or a trainer who's helping him at the competitive level. Right. So I wandered onto this guy's Instagram, and this is an Atlanta guy, and it is the most intense <laughs> shit I have ever seen in my life to the point where I, it is comical. It is comical how intense this oh, guy God. is. He, when he goes to work out, there are videos of him working out and he's like at the free weight section of the gym and he's lifting the heaviest weights that they can find and is screaming bloody murder <laughs> and cussing, like cussing he sounds like Linda Blair from The Exorcist. Like, he's screaming. <laughs> and, and like, the eyeballs are about to, like, fall out of the sockets. Mm-mm. And he's barefoot. <laughs> and, oh, like, my he's, God. Like, and he's just, like, he's, like, he kind of reminds me, maybe <laughs> in a small way, of what you're trying to do, which is channeling pure rage into a workout scenario. And oh, but he, like, he's at another level, man. Like, he oh, is... Yeah. Like, I'm trying to channel it just to get on the machine or lift yeah. the weight. He's like, I will channel this so that I... It all comes out of me like a demon. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it is very, like, like demons being exercised. And, 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 I, and I swear, I think he's, like, very close to, like, lifting up a building or a car. <laughs> like, he's, he's trying to do that at a level... I mean, it's just so... You just count the weights on his bar, and you're like... Is this like seven hundred pounds? Like, what is he doing? Oh and he's God. like probably tearing his anus or something. Like, there's just no way that he's not. Oh, he's got a prolapse. If you're at that level of, you got a you something has prolapsed. Well, and then the best part is that okay, so he's filming himself screaming uh, and saying like you know he's he's saying these like very satanic things, but then there's also this like music bed. That's playing. And it's like, I don't know what this is. It's basically, it sounds like the beginning of a rap song where somebody says like some inspirational quote. It's like the beginning of like Regulator, like <laughs> the Regulators from Warren G, where it's like the quote from whatever it was, Young Guns, where it's like, 
It just sounds like inspirational oh, God. people saying words to trap music songs. And that's the background of a video where a guy is screaming bloody murder. Holy like, hell. It's like Tara Brock <laughs> is like, radical acceptance in the background. And then he's like, fucking fuck this shit. <laughs> it is like layers upon layers of like, it is the funniest shit to me. Like, I'm like... This guy does this, like, five times a week where he, like, is at this level of, like, exertion and intensity. I, I, it's so puzzling to me. But I, I still, I can't get over barefoot. I still can't. And, and in public. Barefoot and in public. Like, I work out at home for a reason. And the reason is I don't want to look like, I don't want to be on somebody's Instagram like, look at this motherfucker. <laughs> and, like, I also love, too, when, like, you go to the gym and you see guys that are doing that and they just have jugs of water. Like, and there's powders. There's, like, powder shit everywhere. Like, <laughs> it's all this, like, pre-workout fucking lines of pre-workout just, like, spread oh, everywhere. And I'm like, what in the world is this? This is, like, so... It's so crazy. intense. I would not be at all surprised if one day we see a video of somebody walking into a gym with one of those, like, St. Bernard whiskey barrels around their neck, except it's filled with, like, fucking muscle milk or something. <laughs> like, it's like a camelback. It's got a straw coming out of it, but it's just, like, a little whiskey barrel around their neck. Yeah. It's like a, yeah, it's like the camelback straw going into a whiskey barrel filled with, like, cocaine water. <laughs> and people just, like, screaming, like, blowing, like, out blood vessels in their heads and shit. <laughs> Having aneurysms. So like, are you are you thinking you're gonna get to that point? I would I would um, love to see you. If I do, I need you to come fly here <laughs> and genuinely commit me somewhere. Like I cannot I cannot ever imagine getting to that level. Cause my goal is just to like bring the bring the blood pressure down. Sure. And like you know, feel the strength in my body instead of in my, instead of feeling the horror in my soul. Yeah. So I can't, I can't get to that level. I don't want to get to that level. I know a lot of people who go real hard, but like, I cannot imagine my goals ever shifting to that. Yeah. Well, and like, I mean, speaking of like, <laughs> I didn't just read Atomic Habits or anything, I promise. <laughs> but like, in order for me to continue to do something that's good for me, I have to, like, envision myself as the type of person who would do that kind of thing, right? right. Because so much of, like, my own brain is that is always, like, trying to tell myself, like, oh, you would never do that because you're not that type of person. You would never right. do X, Y, and Z because that's not your vibe or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think that, like, a lot of my head about working out is me going, like, okay, I'm not, like collapsing my butthole but i could definitely like go in there i'd wear socks i wouldn't go completely barefoot but i could lift weights and socks you know go all the like, way wear the whole shoe go all the <laughs> way with it envision yourself as a person who would wear socks and sneakers in a public gym yeah i mean i carry around a giant water bottle not gonna lie but there's no pre-workout in it it's just water and it's because right. i just want to drink more water it's like i have to yeah. like i can do a little bit of it 
but not go full on, I guess. Like you exactly. could walk up Runyon, but you can't wear the the predator mask. Like it's that exactly. thing. So hopefully that's enough. Like you can find a balance of like, oh, well, I can I can do this, but it's in my own way and I don't have to do that, right? In yeah. order to like I I've definitely had to work to like change my own narrative and my own story yeah. about like, well, you're just a nerd who does not have any strength and yes. you're not a workout person. Yes. So I've definitely had to change that a little bit, even just to get to these little 15 minute increment workouts. Right. Um, but also it's 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 helped me the other part of working out for me that's helpful is that I'm genuinely using it to help my brain. It's like the last thing I haven't tried for my depression. And so I'm trying to become that person who's like, oh, instead of just being sad <laughs> and taking your pills, maybe do something with your body to help your brain. Yeah. Um, and that's what comes from going to therapy twice a week, which mm. I am now doing. And yeah, I'm just kind of trying. Like, it's the last ditch effort. It's the, the one thing I haven't tried to help with, you know, keep myself stable in terms of my my depression and my emotional life. So, Do you feel a difference, though, if you do swing a kettlebell for, you know, yeah, 15 minutes, do you feel like a rush of endorphins or anything? Oh, it's not even like a rush. I just kind of feel like, oh, accomplished. Like I accomplished something. Or like, yeah. oh yeah, that does feel, like I feel less angry now about all these bills that people are trying to pass to prevent humans from being humans in our country. Yeah. So yeah, I, I feel like, I haven't gotten to like a runner's high endorphin space yet, but I do feel better. Yeah. And that's surprising to me because I hate working out so much. Yeah, I know. And like that that's why I'm a I take classes to be honest because it's the thing where I think I get a lot of value out of the community aspect mm -hmm. of working out. And I I think I feed off the energy of other people a lot too right. because I have tried to, you know, I think we've talked about this in a previous episode. I've tried to do a whole workout thing. Like, I bought fucking yeah. bands and, you know, like, yeah. bells and bands and things like that. And I just end up, like, putting them in a closet because I'm like, I just can't get motivated to, like, get out of bed and do a thing in my own house. And I also like to be around other people. And so that's that's kind of, like, I guess the way that my brain works, I guess. But, yeah. like, you know... To me, I, I definitely, I've talked about this before, it completely changes my mood. Like, and I think yeah. it's just, that is like a, your results may vary type of thing. But like, you know, like I've been, you know, like dealing with a lot of stress over the past mm -hmm. couple months. And like, I will be like completely down in the fucking dumps. And then I'll drive to my dance class, take the dance class for an hour. And then I come home and have kind of forgotten like what That's I'm upset great. about, right? Which I'm like, wow, that's the best thing I can hope for. But I will say the effort to get there sucks. Like to have Absolutely. to ice your knees and shit just Absolutely. to be able to like you know, feel good about go yourself. feel better. Yeah, yeah. Abs it absolutely. Is. I, and I, I will say, and this is coming from a place of 100% privilege in my life where I work from home so I can hop on a machine or do that every, you know, whenever I want for 15 minutes because I'm here. Also, I have a dedicated space for this shit now. Yeah. So it's not just like, like if you can find space in your house where it's even just like a corner of a room or whatever, but it's nice that I have a, I have a gym. Let, let me, I'm not going to mince words. Like I have a room that is a gym. That's awesome. And it, it's nice because the stuff is already out and there. So I don't yeah. have to like 
psych myself up too much. I just genuinely have to put on pants and, and my sneakers, which yeah. is a good feeling for me because getting ready to go somewhere to work out has always been a fucking problem for me. Yeah. So having like my treadmill and my kettlebell and my trampoline is just like in a room <laughs> that yeah. I can just like walk in and do it's it's great and it is again a total privilege. Um don't if you're if you're going to get angry at me for the luxury of being able to have that just also remember that I have squirrels falling through my ceiling tiles that my cat is actively killing. <laughs> but also you earn that shit. Why are we do- you know like listen like I know you, and I know your story. You earned that shit. Go ahead, girl, with your gym. Like, what the fuck? Like, you should be happy to have a fucking gym, period. I am. And it's just a room. It's just a bedroom. I I bought a house with a lot of rooms, and so I just turned one of them into a gym. Yeah. Well, and honestly, that, that I think, you know, if if I had an extra room, I mean, I guess I could technically... um, I could technically turn one of these rooms. Why don't I just get rid of the office that I'm sitting in right now and make it a gym and I'll just quit the podcast and we'll do, no, I'm kidding. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I think that that is like a better step. It's kind of like when they say, build a home office, don't just work at the dinner table because you're just, exactly. you need to have the mind break of like, I am moving into another dimension where I'm doing a thing. And then Completely. once that thing is over, I leave the thing, you know? That is it. Exactly. Like I have I have an office and I have a gym. And because I'm gen there are days where I do not leave the house. So because I'm here all the time, it is nice to have that mental shift of like, yeah. I'm going to work now <laughs> and yeah. I'm going to work out now. Like it's nice to have the shift because I think that when I tried it when I was living in like a one bedroom apartment, it was yeah. not as motivational for me. And I would 100%. be like, well, I'm sitting here, I eat in the same place, I work in the same place. <laughs> like this is just not motive. It's I can do it, but it's not motivational for me. Yeah, I remember like early on in the pandemic, I was trying to do some kettlebell swings in the apartment, <laughs> and I was like, when I was living in in West Hollywood, and I was like, if I slip and this thing yep. goes flying, it's gonna <laughs> crash into all of my, all of my shit, all of my dog figurines, my precious ceramic dog figurines, <laughs> and my television. <laughs> My precious moments, my Fabergé eggs, and my <laughs> television will be demolished. <laughs> uh, do, do you love a kettlebell swing, though? Come on. I kind of do. And I, I, I like a swing, but I also, the one that I like the most is where it's kind of like you're a farmer doing like a hoedown. Oh, yeah. Where I'm just like lifting it up and like ding, 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 oh. ding, ding. <laughs> Just lifting my elbows up. You're doing like, a chimney sweep dance. And absolutely. Like, with like, yeah, yeah, no. I'm doing a Dick Van Dyke yes. chimney sweep dance. <laughs> Holy shit. No, yeah, I love those too. I don't know why I feel like a kettlebell is very close to like a shot put. And yeah. I just always thought I'd be good at shot put at, in the Olympics. I don't know why. <laughs> you love a, You just love a heavy lead substantial little ball thing, right? Well, it's just and, a good and the, thi- the thing that is, is great, I do, I completely agree. And what's weird is that it doesn't take much for me to feel like I'm really doing it. Like a 10-pound yeah. kettlebell feels, and it also feels like something you should be throwing. Yes. It's so great. Every, it's like, kind of like when you stand on the edge of a tall building and you're like, maybe I'll jump. Like you just have that thought for a second, even if you don't actually want to jump, but you just have those little pervasive thoughts. That every time I lift the kettlebell, I'm like, I should throw it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, and like, make no mistake, you fucking do that enough. Like, you're you're like, oh, here's this like metal 10-pound thing. 
you're sore as shit after it's yeah. over. Like, you're like, I'm shredded. Like, how did this happen? This is exactly just a little metal thing, but it's powerful. Anyway, I've, look, I'm stoked. I love this for you. Thank um, you. You know, I think it's anytime you can, like, you know, take a thing that sucks and make it into something positive, we love it. And Completely. I'm excited for your workout journey. I mean, I hate it. It's at the cost of America and our rights and that kind of stuff. But I'm just saying, I like the workout journey. Thank you, because that's going to be happening regardless. So I figure I might as well get strength for the oncoming revolution. Look, and anytime you want to put some plates on the end of a, a barbell and fucking throw that shit across the room and let me know, I'm here. <laughs> Like I'll I'll come up there. We just, we'll just go find like a little CrossFit gym. We'll put on some you know footies. We'll put on some socks and get our giant <laughs> gallon jugs of water with our like <laughs> blue Hawaiian pre workout shit and just go real hard. We're gonna put on some toe shoes and just start throwing weights like discus, <laughs> like just chucking them across the fucking room. And they'll be like, um, "You actually can't come back, even if you want to. <laughs> you and your friend have to leave." They are ruining the vibe of this very classy gym. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will come on up. We'll do it. We'll do it. So, we have a theme this week that I politicked very hard for. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know why, because you were totally like, yeah, it's fine. What's your problem? (laughs) And I'm like, I don't remember putting up any struggle at all. (laughs) But you definitely would have to. (laughs) I'm like, why am she's totally. Nice and is allowing oh, it. So what are you fighting for? But I think it, it it is kind of related to a recurring theme that we do. So do you want to tell them what the theme is this week? No, I want you to tell them it's your theme. Oh, it is. Okay, fine. I'll just do it. So the theme this week is the sequel is better than the original. Is that what <laughs> we're calling it? Yeah. <laughs> it feels like it should be funnier. I just don't think it has your had your touch this week. Is this is exactly a pure example of how shitty the name the theme names are when that left up to me. The sequel is better than the original. I'll own it. I'll own that I have no creative bone in my body. It gets the job done. People know what's coming. Very very simple. It's essentially a reworking of um, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Essentially, just because you can sometimes means you should, right? It's the other side of the coin, yeah. Yeah. So th- these are movies where uh, we feel that the sequel is better than the original, right? Which which doesn't mean the original sucks. It just means that the sequel is better. Yeah. Or that we enjoy the sequel more than the original. Let's just say right. that. Because you know how people are. You know how they are. They get very sensitive about remakes and sequels and whatnot. And I don't want to suggest... Yes, I'm not saying that our the originals are trash, but maybe we just... There's something about the sequel that we like better. And Completely. That's not new information. I mean, there's a lot of people that believe that The Godfather 2 is better than the original Godfather. You know, it's like... There are stories of this in film history. and But it's I rare. Thought, it's rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I thought that it would be a cool way to kind of 
talk about these films and just the concept of, you know, a sequel being better than the yeah. original. More enjoyable. And I'm I'm so glad you're going first because your cho- your choice is divisive. <laughs> Look. Not for me personally. I agree with you and your choice that the sequel is better than the original. But I can already envision the divisiveness that's coming for us. Oh, listen. I, I have to say that for my film this week, I've actually talked about this movie publicly before because I programmed this movie for one of our film festivals at TCM like a couple years ago. And we actually did an episode of TCM Slumberground about it nice. where... Half of us liked it, and the other half hated it. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. And <laughs> there's a guess. YouTube video up right now about it. Um, Let me guess. The younger ones hated it. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> That's a loud clap. That's a loud clap. Yes. And and, and I want to I talk about that and maybe provide a little bit of a theory as to why that is. We'll see. But when people are like... When when the first Grease film is being threatened in any way, there's mm-hmm. like a clarion call that goes out amongst pretty much every citizen of the United States to be like, somebody's attacking the first Grease. Like, we have to shut them down. So Somebody doesn't love it. And they also <laughs> don't like Sublime. Let's get them! <laughs> Let's get them! These bitches hate Corn Nuts. These bitches <laughs> hate Empire <laughs> Records. No, I... Look... I totally get it. I totally get it. And we'll talk about it for sure. Well, get into uh, it. Get into your movie. Let's let's break it down. I'm psyched cool. to hear your thoughts. Okay, cool. So, for the theme, the sequel is better than the original. I have a movie that was made in 1982. It was written by Ken Finkelman. It was directed by Patricia Birch, and it's called Grease 2. What are you going to be when you grow up? A burden on society. Okay, so let me ask you right off the bat. Do you remember how old you were when you saw the first Grease? Oh, yeah. I was like six, five or yeah. six. Yeah. Like very, very young. It was very family-friendly or purported to be a family-friendly film, which, you know, I like singing the songs and seeing it. And then as I got older, I realized this is about fucking. <laughs> and this guy is trying to get this girl to fuck him. <laughs> and she won't. And then she gets sad and completely changes her personality to fuck him. And then to they drive fucked. away in, the, in a car in the sky. And I'm like, oh, as an adult, this movie means something else. But as a kid, I loved singing the songs and jumping around. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was pretty young when I first saw it, too. Now, had you seen the sequel as a child or had you seen it like later in life? Absolutely, as a child. I yeah. actually saw it a couple of times as a child, and this is the first time I've ever watched it as an adult. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing it as a child, too, because they used to play it on, like, HBO and stuff all the time. Yeah. But I actually didn't realize it was related to the first Grease when I was a kid. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is existing in its own universe, which I still think, to this day, it exists in its own universe it kind of <laughs> You can't, to me, okay, sure, you've got a lot of, like, spillover from the first film, but I think it's its own, it's its own thing. Especially when it comes towards the end of the film where you're like, this is in a new dimension, people. We're, we're not Absolutely. dealing with the first Grease, so. Oh, I was actually upset 
to see some of the old characters come back to this Greece because it is such a different film. Yes. Yes. We will talk about that in just a moment because I think it's wild. I'm going to be floating a lot of personal theories out here this week. So I just need you guys to like take the fucking ride with me. So like Danielle said, I am not saying that I don't like the original Grease. How could I? I would lose my license and my social security card. I, they, would, they would take it away from me. I'm no longer a citizen of the United States. Okay? We get it. It's a classique. Right? R.I.P. the Queen Olivia Newton-John. R.I.P. the hottie Kanicki. Like, come on. Like, oh, we get it. I forgot you know, it's like died. <laughs> I know. I know. Like, it's, it, this movie is, like, woven tightly into the fabric of our nation. In fact, so okay, completely. But I am going to suggest gently, perhaps, that Grease 2 is better than Grease 1. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna say it. And I'm gonna float a potentially radical idea out to you, Daniel. Okay. Which is that I think that there's actually a specific type of person who thinks Grease 2 is better than the original Grease. Go on. I think that by and large, People who like Grease 2 better are cooler, funnier, and more attractive than... Okay. <laughs> I 100%. 100%. Listen, I, I mean, I, I kid, but do I? I mean, I think Grease 2, like I said, it's got its own thing going on. I feel like the people who really like Grease 2 are a specific type of person. I feel like it's not yeah. for the gen pop. Absolutely. I think Grease 2 is like, you don't see, if you see someone singing Cool Rider at karaoke, you're like, that is a weirdo. That's my kind of weirdo. Exactly. Whereas every time you go to karaoke and there's a bridal party and they're singing Hopelessly Devoted and the Tell Me More, Tell Me More song, you're like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Okay. 100%. Because (laughs) that's exactly what I'm about to say in the next sentence. Because... I, I'm going like to try to explain. Like <laughs> yes, that, I, I have never felt more seen and validated by another person in my entire life. Thank you, because you are welcome. As people our age, I feel like we grew up with the original Grease as kids. It was such a ubiquitous thing, right? Like, yep. Every fucking high school is doing the musical right now. Like, there's invariably somebody at a karaoke night who is doing. Summer Loving, is that what the name of the the song is? Yes. Yes. I'm like, tell me more, tell me more. Whatever the fucking song is. Yeah. It was always like a a hottie blonde at your high school that would dress as Sandy for Halloween. Like, it's fucking like, everybody loves Grease. Me included, okay? But I'm just saying that if Grease 1 is like the popular cheerleader, Grease 2 is like the punk rock kid smoking cigarettes behind the wall outside yes. of school. Because it's, yes. it wasn't as successful as the first Grease, duh. Even though it had double the budget of the first movie, it obviously wasn't as financially as successful. And I read at some point that they were planning on making many Grease sequels and also like a TV show. Oh my but God. that Grease 2 bombed so badly, they were like, Eh, let's just pull up all the stakes. Let's let's not do any of this stuff. Right? America doesn't want. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants. <laughs> nobody it. wants it. Right. <laughs> but 
I personally believe that Grease 2 is more interesting, mm-hmm. it's weirder, and it's yeah. more cult movie adjacent than the original Grease. Completely agree. Right? Completely agree. And Grease, Grease 1 being so firmly set in the 50s with, like, no black people and no people of color in it at all. Yeah. I mean, maybe I don't love it. And I'm just going to say that. Maybe I don't Ooh. love the original Grease because it's, like, so tied to a point of nostalgia that I can't stand. Which is, like, I, the fucking boomer 50s. <laughs> listen, I love a Daniel takedown of a classic. I love I love the killing of a sacred cow. Let's go. Let's fucking go. I'm just saying, maybe I don't love it. Like, instead of mincing words, I like Grease 2 more because I think Grease 1 is lame. Yeah. Well, and I also think, too, that... Okay, think about the time frame of what we're speaking of, right? The original Grease star John Travolta, right? Who was a huge fucking movie star because the movie he did right before this was Saturday Night Fever, mm-hmm. okay? So... To me, the first Grease is operating in that, like, 70s, happy days, like, 50s nostalgia, you know, that... And it's sort of, like, more disco-adjacent than Grease 2, which, to me, feels a lot more contemporary and almost kind of like a new wave movie Mm -hmm. than Grease, the original Grease does. Completely. And honestly... The fact that Travolta was as huge of a star as he was in the first one, and the fact that they went the opposite direction and cast Michelle Pfeiffer as the lead in Grease 2, whom she, this is her first like leading role. She had made pretty much nothing before this movie, I think is fucking cool as shit. Yep. The whole movie is like a gender, a gender swap movie. A hundred percent. Cause that's the other part I like about it, which we will definitely get into is this the, her, Character is a feminist character when you when you get down to fucking mm-hmm. brass tacks, which I of course appreciate, right? But also too, the movie itself is just weirder and funner. Like it's like the ending of this film, which I will talk about at a certain point. It's like I won't give it away because I don't even think I can give it away. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's so insane and it goes so hard. Like, you think a a car flying into the sky is fucking fantastical? Wait till you see the shit at the end of Grease (laughs) 2. So, there are many points that I will make in defense of my theories, but I I will just say this. Okay, so I'm not going to give, like, a a true one-sentence synopsis of Grease 2, but here's the general gist of the film, okay? Sandy from the first film, Olivia Newton-John's character has a cousin from England. His name is Michael Carrington. He's played by Maxwell Caulfield. He starts attending Rydell High, and he falls for a pink lady named Stephanie Zanoni, who is played by Michelle Pfeiffer. The only issue in this scenario is that the pink ladies clearly, obviously, only date T-birds, right? Mm. So Michael has to create an alluring mysterious biker character so that he can impress Stephanie and win over the entire school. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you wonder why they didn't make Grease 3, Grease 4, <laughs> Grease 5. <laughs> Listen, it would be like, to, if it were up to me, it'd be like Jason versus Freddy versus <laughs> Rhino High. Like, we would be doing 10, 12 of these motherfuckers. Like, we would be sequeled out. <laughs> That's just how I, my brain works, right? <laughs> so, 
of returning people to the second film, right? So you have like Robert Stigwood, obviously. We talked about him during Times Square when we did the Mm -hmm. episode about Times Square, the movie. He produced it. Remember, he produced the first Grease, okay? And then it was also choreographed by Patricia Birch, who did the original musical and the first film, but she also directed this film, which I think is kind of cool. Yep. You, you have Eve Arden back as the principal. You have Sid Caesar back as the coach. You've got like, you know, these kind of side characters like Eddie Deason and Dodie Goodman and like Craterface. Dennis Stewart is back. But pretty much the only main cast member from the original who did the sequel is Dee Dee Khan as Frenchie. And I have to say, it is very bizarre. Her role in the second film is very bizarre to me. I hate how they shoehorned her in in the yes. weirdest fucking way. They're like, here's this 30-year-old woman who actively dropped out of high school in the first one, purposefully got kicked out of beauty school, dropped out of beauty school in the first one, and now she's coming back to school because she's finally decided what she wants to be, which is a fragrance person. So she's coming <laughs> back to learn chemistry. And I'm like, you could not... And she's also the full setup and exposition for the Michael character. Exactly. Because essentially, Frenchie only really interacts with Michael. Right. And she's really only there to set up the rules of, like, who the pink ladies are and the T-birds and whatnot. Even though she herself is a pink lady and she is, quote, one of Stephanie's best friends, which is what she says in the film. And... She's not in it very much, but she only seems to interact with Michael, okay? And there's probably, like, some kind of functional reason for that. But personally, my theory is that she's a fucking ghost. I knew it! (laughs) Who doesn't think this at this point? Frenchie is a ghost that only Michael can see. Let's get serious! I fucking knew it! Oh, God! I'm fully on board with this. This take. But here's the thing. So you got you basically only have Frenchie, right? From the original film. But I say, dare I say, that this fucking cast in Grease 2 is awesome. Like, yeah. you've got Adrian Zamed as Johnny Nogarelli, who is essentially, he's like the head of the T-Birds, right? And he was actually Danny in the touring production of Grease. So he has chaps, clearly, um, this guy wears four buttons down on a shirt. You know how we feel about that. Like, why wear a shirt at a certain point? You're just like... He also says Paschetti. <laughs> <laughs> like, we- he cannot pronounce anything properly. <laughs> Despite the fact that he is Italian, right. he says Paschetti. I mean, And it's intentional. Like, I'm not making fun of someone with a speech impediment. He yeah. intentionally says it in the script, and it's hilarious. Yeah. So he's got chops, okay? You also have the king, Christopher McDonald, as Goose, another T-bird. We are a Christopher McDonald fan club here at the pod. Yes, we are pro-Christopher McDonald. We've talked about him at length in our Thelma and Louise episode. He's so fucking funny. You have the dreamy Peter Frechette as Demucci. Another hilarious role. (laughs) Like... Nothing but hits on this T-Bird squad. Let me just tell you. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, Demucci's my my favorite male character in the film. If they made Demucci merch in 82, I would have collected it all. I'd be buying that shit on eBay right now. Like, 
We love Demucci. We love him. Someone can make you a Demucci t-shirt. I'm sure that there is a Demucci shirt. Like, there's so many, like, novelty t-shirt lines now that I'm like, if anybody has a line of a Demucci shirt, especially if he's wearing that, like, pink the button-down satin. shirt. <laughs> yes! <laughs> the one that they stole from those guys. <laughs> but you have, like, Marine Tifi as one of the pink ladies. Hello, fame. We've talked about her before. My favorite of the pink ladies... Lorna Luft, who yep. plays Paulette. Judy Garland's daughter, hello. She's Liza Minnelli's half-sister. She's incredible. She kind of plays the, like, blonde bombshell, like, you know, um, Marilyn Monroe type. But also has her own story, which is interesting, yeah. too. You're gonna, your minds are gonna be blown by this non-Grease 2 fans who don't know, but Pamela Adlon is in this film. She plays Paulette's little sister, Dolores. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, God, it's awesome. It's so awesome. Fucking Lucinda Dickey is in this film. I mean, hello, like the queen. She made every great canon film in the 1980s, including Breakin'. Like, let's get serious. Connie Stevens is one of the teachers. Frickin' Tab Hunter is, like, one of the teachers at Rydell High School. He's maybe, like, one of the most attractive men to have ever walked the earth. And he stayed hot until, like, he died like in his like <laughs> 80s like impossibly attractive man okay and so you like look at this roster and you're like okay that to me alone is why i like grease two better than one absolutely but i also think that there's just generally a more interesting story going on in grease two especially when it involves stephanie who's like you know the michelle pfeiffer character <laughs> i have to say speaking of italians I've always appreciated generally how Italian the Grease franchise is. <laughs> In what way? <laughs> like, there's just a lot of Italian representation. Zanoni, Damucci, Nagarelli. Like, come on. Like, as a half Italian person, I'm like, this is my representation. I mean, you got a blonde Italian. Anytime that happens, I'm like, yo, Stephanie Zanoni is like the Monica Vitti of Ride Ohio. Like, she is like, <laughs> she's an unbelievable blonde Italian and we stand. Okay? And, and listen, I actually think, uh, here's another theory I'm going to float to you, Danielle. I feel like Stephanie Zanoni is like the origin story for Michelle Pfeiffer's character in Married to the Mob. Oh, completely. Okay. She went to you. high school here. 100%. <laughs> you didn't even have to, you didn't even have to sell me on that one. <laughs> well, and like Stephanie is an interesting character for me because, okay, so she's a pink lady, but she's also not trying to follow the pink lady party line, which is that she's only allowed to be a chick of a T-bird, right? Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't want to be tied down. She's She says, I'm not anybody's trophy. I'm not a trophy chick. And the movie starts with her basically like saying, I'm not dating Johnny. I'm my own woman. Like I dumped that guy. I'm doing my own thing. Which, of course, love. And she's the only woman in her school wearing pants on the regs. She works at a freaking gas station, which is super cool. And she is not afraid to, like, house an entire giant cheeseburger in front of a hot guy at her school. I mean, she's a legend, right? A lot of agency, a lot of forcefulness. To me, she's already ahead above Sandy. And she's also, like, not secretly smart. She's just, like... Like, there's no secrets to her that are waiting to be uncovered by a guy. Like, she's just like, this is who I am. This is what I like. This is what I want. Goodbye. (laughs) Yeah. 
iconic looks the entire film. And so here's the thing about Grease 2 that's very different from Grease 1. It, it has a plot that moves forward, obviously, but it also sort of feels like this, like, it feels like it's a collection of like musical sequences too, mm-hmm. almost kind of like music videos, which, you know, early 80s, you know, you got to think like MTV is around. Like, so it's like, it does, it definitely feels more modern in that way. Yeah. Right. And the two sequences that I remember the most from childhood, okay, obviously involve sex. Duh. The reproduction sequence, which is where the kids are singing in the sex ed class. And let's do it for our country, which is when, Demucci and Sheridan are in that bomb shelter, right? Like those are the two sequences that I only remembered from childhood. <laughs> of course you do. And let's let's do it for our country. Like I actually forgot because my two songs that I remember are Cool Rider and Girl for All Season. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but Let's do it for our country is so funny. And it starts out like him trying to convince her to have sex. By the end, she's like, yeah, I actually do want to do it, but I just needed a reason. Like you said, the first movie is about fucking. The second movie is about fucking, too. Grease? Like the Grease franchise is about fucking. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we could definitely unpack that a little bit more if you you know what I'm saying, but we won't. We We won't won't get disgusting. Grease 2 is definitely more about fucking. (laughs) <laughs> their entire songs about fucking and grace too but the like you said i feel like the songs are they're they're almost kind of like new wave adjacent like to me cool writer sounds like a josie cotton song like mm-hmm. it just sounds like a really cool like you know 80s new wave like josie cotton meets pat benatar you know type of thing and i actually had heard that pat benatar was considered for the Stephanie role at one point, which oh my I God. think is fascinating. That would have been so cool. And again, since we're we're on this tip of things we can't do as American citizens, we cannot mention Pat, Benef- Pat Benatar without also mentioning that she's a classically trained singer. Every yeah. time somebody mentions Pat Benatar, they're like, she's classically trained. And I'm like, I know! <laughs> we all know. It's in we- the Wikipedia. Okay, so we got to talk now about this Michael character, who is played by Maxwell Caulfield, okay? Because a lot of people our age and younger will know him as Rex Manning from that movie y'all love so much, Empire Records, okay? Now, in Grease 2, Maxwell was a total hottie. I gotta say it. Like, when he finally becomes the cool writer, because, (laughs) let's just say this, Apparently, he learned how to literally be evil Knievel in a very short period of time. <laughs> like, he's he's got to teach himself how to ride a motorcycle because he wants to impress Stephanie so much. And I'm like, it took him no time to go from a bumbling, fumbling, like, motorcycle falling on, over on its side guy to jumping cop cars. Oh, yeah. Like, he's absolutely going from, like, I'm going to drop <laughs> this bike while I try to get on it. I can't even get on it in the park to watch me spin in the air while glitter shoots out of my ass and (laughs) I fucking jump over this group of villains. (laughs) And he, like, he found himself an outfit that makes him look like he's in the movie Psychomania. It's like, he's got, like, this giant head, like, pair of goggles and, like, you know, and then at one point he actually pops open about four buttons on his, like, leather vest or whatever and I'm like... The, ch- the male chest hair in this movie is outstanding. 
But when he turns into the cool writer, I mean, how the hell can you deny that? I mean, like, he pulls up to the gas station where Stephanie is working and he's like, get on, you know, and it's like, American voice because he's trying not to be a British guy. Well, that was that was a weird choice to me. I mean, I get why he did it, but like because he's trying yeah. to be mysterious and not let anyone know who he is. And you know, she falls yeah. in love with him without knowing who he is. But I'm like, he's like, I was trying to tell you, and I'm like, all you had to do is speak with your regular accent, <laughs> say two words with your regular accent, and she would have known it was you. How many British people do you think are rolling through this fucking town? I know. It's like, just say, where's the cue for the loo? And she would definitely know it's you. Like, it would be very easy. But, like, when it happens, when he pulls up to her job and she quits her damn job, I'm like, yo, go with this hottie. Absolutely. Let alone the ending where he essentially turns into someone from, like, this Brian De Palma Phantom of the Paradise shit. Like, he's like, like I said, I can't really give away the ending because it's so insane, but I'm like, he turns into essentially like some kind of uh, glitter dome, <laughs> like sparkly being in the sky. It's like crazy. And that's the thing I think about Grease 2 that is super enjoyable versus Grease 1 is that it is in its own dimension, especially the end. It is a full on Xanadu fantasy sequence. Yes. Like, you really can't compare them, I think, at the end of the day. I mean, th- it shares common similarities in certain ways, but it's it's its own thing. And I feel like for people who are like, you know, claiming it sucks because it's not as good as the first one, I'm like, okay, yes, I guess that's technically true, but like, it's also so good in its own thing and it's wonderful and yeah. fun and effervescent. Come on. It's its, its own thing entirely. I actually, even though I just I just made a comparison between Stephanie and Sandy, I don't think there is a comparison to be made. I think they're very different characters. They're very different people. The one thing that I do want to bring up, because I'm curious about your uh, how you feel about this, the Connie Stevens character, Miss Mason, did she read to you as a little uh, white supremacy? Ish. Oh shit! Because she, because uh, they're doing this talent show, right? And she, and she's sitting in the audience, and she keeps saying every time there's people on stage that are like her people, she keeps saying, "Oh, those are my girls. Those are my guys." When the two, when the twins got on stage, she was like, "That's pure breeding up there." Like that's, and then when the guys got on stage, she's like, "Those are true American boys," and I think I'm just being influenced by modern day America. <laughs> Oh, a blonde lady with her tits out? Yeah. You're telling me that Miss Mason is Marjorie Taylor Greene, and you know it. <laughs> I was just, I heard that, and I was like, no! <laughs> like, what is <laughs> happening? I mean, obviously, that seems like a callback to the 50s, where there were fucking white supremacists in high schools Thank saying you. that. <laughs> teaching <laughs> you know, teaching I, children. <laughs> yes. Teaching I, children. I, absolutely. Do I think she's full Nazi? I don't know. I don't think I'd she's have to full really Nazi. Think about that. I just think that it read as a little bit too, to me, it just read as a little bit too, like, on the nose. Like, hmm, those are my white children. I love them. Yes. Yes. And also, like, she does suggest that she might sleep with students, which is very yes. strange. This, this character is problematic. I'm just saying, Miss Mason is problematic. 
in general. Also, I need to say that I have been recently made aware of the dick pop-out in Grease 2. I did not know about this. I am fucking shocked. Beyond all belief. And it is our producer Casey's fault for sending over the Zapruder film of this happening. And it's it's less dick and it's more like long balls. <laughs> Danielle's an expert on the ball <laughs> like, situation. Like the, the, um, the testicles are out. I actually, I, I have the video up right now and I have it paused on it. So I need to remove, I need to fast forward it a little bit because that is so crazy. Um, so we know about it. You don't have to tell us that there's a dick pop out in Grease 2. I, but I'm just saying I'm, Shocked. Absolutely. I can't I can't gather myself after this. I truly can't believe they left it in the film. For all these like, years. Is, they've never cut it out. <laughs> they've never cut it out of the film. It was released in 1982. It was released fucking 40 years ago. <laughs> and they're like, we're leaving the balls in. I guarantee you that's not on the Wikipedia page. I guarantee it has its own Wikipedia page. <laughs> I would love it if somebody created a Wikipedia page for the the balls pop out and grace too. Get 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 down into it. Well, look, I at the end of the day, you obviously can feel my passion for Grease 2. If you if you're the type of person who literally only loves the first Grease, cannot accept any substitutions or any reworkings, I get it. I've I've done nothing for you. And uh, I just hope that you can accept the fact that people who like Grease 2 are funnier, cooler, and more attractive. <laughs> and that's just the way it goes. You bottom-lined it. So speaking of horniness, I truly cannot wait to talk about your film and the franchise and the everything. So. I mean, our alt, our alt theme this week could have been, we did not know this movie was about fucking. <laughs> You should have renamed it. <laughs> Instead of sequels better than the original. Oops, it's about fucking. <laughs> <laughs> well, my movie was released in 1980. Uh, the screenplay is by Mario Puzo, David Newman, and Leslie Newman. And it was directed by Richard Lester. And my film is Superman 2. Superman! General, would you care to step outside? Now, right off the bat, I have to say, I 100% missed that Mario, the godfather Puzo, wrote <laughs> Superman 2. So I'm just going to lead with that. I had no fucking idea until I started researching for this podcast that he wrote Superman 2. Yeah, me neither. I need that to be a stronger credit when people are talking about the godfather <laughs> but this movie, I chose this film because it is in, it's an indelible part of my childhood. Yeah. And I'm going to give you a one-sentence synopsis, and then we can hop right in. Superman 2, my one-sentence synopsis, is this bitch is back and has two villains, Lex Luthor and a trio of glittered alien outlaws in thigh-high boots. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, one thing that I absolutely love about the movie, and I'm just going to, I'm going to, instead of, you know, breaking down the the whole narrative of the movie, I'm just going to tell you what I think makes it the better sequel. 
And the first thing I think makes it a better sequel is they show the highlights from the first movie over the opening credits. So you don't even have to have seen the first one, which is so smart. We love it. And they're like, hey, here's what's up. Superman did some shit. Lois Lane fell in love with him. We found out that he dropped into a farm. His fucking uncle died. Like, they just give it to you straight. Like, here is what we did. Don't forget. They they even show that hilarious shot of the baby lifting up the car again, which (laughs) makes me laugh so hard every time I see it. It is truly wonderful. (laughs) A truly (laughs) wonderful piece of film because he's in this like red long diaper and then he's just like, hey, what's up? Let's have this car. (laughs) And And he's like, look what I did. It's like when Carrot brings you a squirrel to your bedside. He's just like, look what I did. I lifted a car, guys. Meanwhile, his uncle's like, shitting bricks. <laughs> <laughs> we just found you in a hole, and now you're lifting my car? What the fuck? Also, I would have told that little mo- motherfucker then and there, you are an alien. <laughs> they waited a real long time to tell him after he lifted a car that he was not of planet Earth. <laughs> he could have been chucking kids around at fucking recess. He could have been breaking heads accidentally. <laughs> like, tell him he's not from Earth. <laughs> right away, as soon as he lifts the car, tell him. Yeah. But I love it. And I also, I'm just, this is a side note that I'm going to mention because just like with Millie and the balls pop out, I know that if I don't, <laughs> someone's going to mention it in the comments or send us an email as if we didn't know. Yes, it's true. One of the terrorists in the opening scene at the Eiffel Tower was the horrible uncle from Harry, the Harry Potter movies. Mm. Okay. We mm. know. Here's the main reason I think Superman 2 is better than Superman 1. It has better villains. Okay? Yeah. So we have, again, murderers row of actors in this movie. The three aliens that were, I'm calling them aliens, but you know, the three outlaws that were kicked Mm -hmm. off of Superman's planet by his father are played by Jack O'Halloran, who plays Nan. He doesn't really speak, but he has a lot of incredible facial expressions and moves in this movie. We have Sarah Douglas, who plays Ursa, who was the baddest motherfucker on, oh, yeah. in the Superman franchise, if you ask me. Yo, get her her own She's series. a spinoff. Like, She's a spinoff. Yes. Then you have Terrence Stamp playing the iconic General Zod, right? So these are already better villains. Like, they're, they've got a fucking vendetta against his father that they're willing to take out on the sun. They were put into, like, a piece of glass and shot into space. So when they get free and they realize, oh, the closer we get to Earth, the stronger our par- our powers are, they start punting astronauts fucking into space. They're hot. Like, Lex Luthor is a better fucking villain in this movie. He's hot air ballooning out of prison and, like, <laughs> kicking Ned Beatty down. He's like, you're not coming with me. The three... Aliens are like, the, or the, the trio, as, as I will call them, the trio is like shooting hot lasers out of their eyes. They have fucking hurricane breath. <laughs> they put their own faces on Mount Rushmore. <laughs> That's the best. What a flex. What a fucking flex. I'm like, yo, I just showed up. Get rid of these old folks. Put our shits on that, on that rock. They're like, here we are. We're your new fucking leaders. Oh, what? Let's get take over the White House and get rid of Mount Rushmore right away, (laughs) which a lot of people in South Dakota are like, thank fucking God, we've been waiting for that forever. Um, 
the indigenous <laughs> population of South Dakota is like, fuck yeah. Um, and then they they put their three faces on and then they just like destroy Lincoln's face. They're like, let's just fucking laser this, laser eyeball this up. We don't have room for another one. Yeah. Um, and the the reason, and again, so the, the, the villains are better in their own right. And then they team up because Lex Luthor is like, oh, I need to be part of this fucking team because Superman's my number one enemy. Oh, and then naturally, naturally, I can't, I'll be remiss if I don't mention this. We have Terrence Stamp saying the iconic line, kneel before Zod, mm. which never stops being very hot. Yes. Just got to say, he's... I cannot explain these outfits enough. They're like parachute pant jumpsuits with a deep V glitter, like a deep glitter V, yes. thigh-high fucking boots on all of yes. them. <laughs> yes. I Listen, I, to me, when they come to Earth and then they just show up in Texas or wherever they, they show yes. up, it is truly like if Zardoz landed in Smokey and the Bandit. Completely. Like it's the best combination of shit. Like you're like, here are the people from Zardoz who are now talking to, like, Boss Hog and his son. It is awesome. Absolutely. It is so good. It's so good. And they're like, what? We're fucking hurricane breath motherfuckers <laughs> from another planet. They have no time for... That's the other thing. They have no time for America. They're like, we do not care. We're just here to take over. Our powers are strong, yeah. and that's why we're staying here. And then they find out that Superman's there. And they're yeah. like, oh, we'll kick his ass, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no problem. I also think this is a better sequel because Lois Lane finds out who Superman is. So she's trying to figure it out because she sees him take his glasses off and she's like, let me throw myself into the fucking rapids at Niagara Falls. And he doesn't bite. He doesn't take the bait, but he saves her anyway as Clark Kent. Also, Lois is so gross in this movie and I love her. She's like, get me a fucking hot dog with orange juice. Like, she's just drinking... <laughs> orange juice is her only healthcare plan. Like, who knew this movie would be so prophetic about American life? Where she's like, I drink orange juice to stay healthy and I will drink it with everything, including hot dogs. Also, like, she is is one of the most... Like, she smokes constantly <laughs> yeah. in the Super yes. Superman films. And I'm like... She definitely smokes. Like, she's actually lighting cigarettes on the set and is smoking. And it's in her contract that she gets to smoke real cigarettes and not the fakey prop cigarettes. And I'm like, yo, she's a smoker. Like, for sure. Absolutely. Lois Lane is no holds barred in this fucking movie. And I love that she finds out who Superman is because then we don't have to keep the ruse going for too long of the Clark Kentness of it. And yeah. she's also very excited because now they can fuck. Like, she knows who he is. She's already in love with Superman. And he's like, I will give up my fucking powers for you. Well, I want to ask you, okay, look, this this episode is already as horny as can be. So I'm not stopping, obviously. And I know that <laughs> horniness is antithetical to true film criticism. But guess what? We're doing it. This is who our, who our podcast is. Okay? We can do both. We can so, do both. <laughs> my question to you is, were you in love with Christopher Reeve as Superman as a child or beyond? Of course I was. <laughs> okay. Because that was the chief feeling that I had when I rewatched your film was the primal feeling of being in love with Christopher Reeve as Superman that I felt as a child. Like, yes, it all came back to me. Like, and I just, and I was watching 
so basically what happened was that I watched Superman 2 and I'm like, well, fuck, now I got to watch one, three, and four. Like, I'm just going to go back and watch. And I watched them on the wrong week. I think we, that was the thing is that I thought we were recording this episode last week. So I watched all the Supermans like many weeks ago. <laughs> um, but I was like, I only want to see Superman flirting with Lois Lane. Like, that's yes. all I want in life is to see them flirting with each other. It makes my heart flutter. I love him so much. I super... This might actually solve a lot of questions that we have about my level of taste in men. I loved him more as Clark Kent. Well done. Definitely had the hots for <laughs> Superman. But when Clark yeah. Kent was around, I'm like, that dude is hot. Yeah. I mean, and it's... Like, I, I think this is obviously a, a very, very common sentiment about the Superman films, which is that, like, there's no way she would be like, this is a totally different person. Because exactly. Clark Kent looks like Superman, except he's got those corny glasses on. That's it. The rest of him looks yeah. exactly the same. And I'm like, he's still hot as fuck in those glasses. So how are you? And she's like, what are you thinking? She, like, hates Clark Kent. She's like, get out of my fucking face, Clark. And I'm like, he's not that. Even as Clark Kent, he's still hot. Like, get with it, Lois. Oh, yeah. I mean, Clark Kent is, like, a 15 out of 10. Like, it's like... <laughs> but then, like, Superman comes around, and I guess he just has a little less of that bumbly-fumbly right. vibe, I guess, and maybe that's attractive. I guess it's attractive. But it was, like, as a child, I just... Like, he was the model of hotness to me. Like, I was just like... And it just all came back. Like, re-watching your film, I was like, oh my god, I'm in love with Superman! <laughs> oh my god! Like, I, mean, it, I just want to see them, like, falling in love. I don't want this other stuff. Well, that's what's great about this movie. They give it to you. And, and right... The next movie, they're like, yes. all right, we'll give it to you in Superman 2. We're not going to carry this on for eight movies. We're going to let them fall in love right away. Yeah. And even though for yeah. me, this wasn't the sexual awakening at, at a Kevin Klein level, I fucking love <laughs> Superman. <laughs> I fucking love Superman. I had the hots for Clark, Clark Kent. I thought he was a nice, cool guy. Right. And this movie, at one point, somebody asked if he watched something on TV, and he was like, uh, I don't really watch TV. I went home and read Dickens, and I'm like, that's my fucking boy. Dude, what, okay, like, we all love the thought experiment of a superhero who was willing to trade his powers in to fuck okay. us. Like, we love that, right? This is also part of what I think makes this movie better, is that he gives up his powers because he loves Lois Lane. So he goes into this little crystal cave and he essentially abandons the world to fucking ruin to get some ass. Like, non Ursa and Zod are ruining the fucking planet. And everyone's like, where the fuck is Superman? And he's like, I am getting down. I'm in my fucking, my fucking <laughs> fortress of solitude. <laughs> breaking it down with Lois forever. He's there. They do so much damage. They fuck forever. And I'm sure this is exciting for Lois because she is like, all right, I'm not going to stop him. She watched him give up his powers, essentially, and she didn't stop him. And I think it's because she probably thought, if I have Superman's baby, it's going to burst out of my fucking body like alien and wear me like a skin suit. Like, he's got to give up these powers so I can get that dick. That baby comes come shooting out and then, like, lifts her butt in the air, much like the baby, like, like in, in the car scene, where he's like, look what I did. I just shot out of a woman's body and I can pick her up. 
He shoots out. And I'm like 30 minutes old. He's wearing a cape. Her vagina is cracked open like a fucking Easter egg. (laughs) And then he just lifts her limp body to the sky and is like, thanks. And he also is born like fully formed at like two months old. She's got two months to live if she gets pregnant with Superman's baby. So she's excited. I'm going to tell you right now, we're talking about anal prolapsing. (laughs) I would take one for the team in order to get that epic session with Superman in that like Madonna Inn-esque <laughs> bed that they have with like clouds and shit. They're like, in a fucking it's like ice a, cocoon. A crystal candy dish in, with clouds in it. <laughs> they are in your grandma's candy dish cocooning in a fucking silk blanket. And you know he was probably tossing her up in the air and like letting her land on his dick. Like they were having unbelievably acrobatic sex. <laughs> he spins her around like a fucking pizza. Like, yeah, he's not Superman anymore, but he's still fucking strong. He's still like, they're in a fucking ice cave. This guy's the limit. I would take all the vaginal tearing for that moment. Like, I'd be like, whatever. Like, just cut the bottom half of my body out. I've given birth to the Superman baby. He has ruined my body and I don't give a shit. Because I had that one night. <laughs> I'm telling you, he, this, when she watched him give up his powers, I was like, oh, she wants to fucking bone. Because she's not saying a goddamn word. She's like, mm, yeah, go ahead, give him up, girl. Go ahead, give up this, knock yourself out. I just found out you were Superman five minutes ago. Please destroy your entire purpose for being. So I can get that D. And I also... Oh, God. Oh, my God. So he just abandons the world to get some ass. And I love that about Superman in this movie. He's like, yeah, Yeah. fuck all y'all. Yeah. (laughs) You don't appreciate me anyway. I just lifted up a fucking Eiffel Tower. I just, like, saved... I fucking shot an elevator through the Eiffel Tower to minimal applause. (laughs) Y'all take me for granted. This movie, Superman 2, is about Superman getting his. Yes. And I love it because he gets his ass kicked almost immediately. (laughs) Oh, my God. I mean, when I saw that part again, knowing what I know about you and the types of dudes you fuck with, I was like, Clark Kent in the diner in that, like, little Izod jacket is Danielle boner material to a T. Move over, Buscemi. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. He's dressed like an Italian grandpa in the diner getting his ass kicked. And I'm like, that's Danielle's man right there. Could not have said it better. Could not, like, again, you feel no, I feel seen and validated in ways I've never felt seen before. Number one weirdo is, in my heart, is Clark Kent getting his ass kicked in a fucking diner. But I think that's also part of what makes Superman 2 better than Superman 1 is it teaches us the incredibly valuable lesson to never give up your own strength for love. Because he, he goes yeah. and gets his powers, powers back once he realizes what's going on with the world. He's like, sure. oh, um, I do love you, but I can't just leave these people to fucking rot. Right. Don't give up your power, y'all. Yeah. No good it. lesson. I think this movie is funnier. I mean, the Lex Luthor character Gene Hackman kills and is always funny, and it's hilarious. But in this movie, 
there's a lot of subtle humor that I truly appreciate, like the guy who stays on the phone in the phone booth during the windstorm. <laughs> like buses are rolling down the street and he's like, yep, yeah, aha, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Like, that is a funny fucking gag. <laughs> and I also love that as soon as they land in, at the Fortress of Solitude, um, when he is still Superman, he tells Lois she can have anything she wants for dinner, and then he flies to an island and immediately sees a parrot. And you're like, are you going to eat that fucking parrot? Like, I, what is that? <laughs> the transition was so funny. And then he just, like, picks some wildflowers for her. But, like, that is a funny, subtle fucking joke. I was like, where is this going? <laughs> like, are we about to see him put a parrot on a spit and cook it in that ice castle? Because I'm like, this is wild. I would just love for Lois Lane to ask him to get her a parrot to eat, just to see if he would do it. If he's like, you could have anything she, anything you want to eat, and she's like, a fucking parrot. <laughs> and Superman's like, fuck. Lois is hardcore. She only eats hot dogs and parrots. Well, and like that, that to me is, I think, what I do like about Superman 2 versus 1 as well, is because they're like, and I'm, I'm curious if you think that it's because, I mean, Richard Lester, the the guy that directed the second film, you know, he was known for, like, the Beatles movies, basically. Right. Like, he was known for A Hard Day's Night and Help, which have very funny moments in them. Yes. And, you know, and part of me was like, that's what I think is so great about the second one, is that there are, like, these, like, one wonderful, like, comedy, sight-gaggy type of moments that make it, you know, really fun to watch. Because the first one, there was a lot going on in that first one, yeah. and it was very elevated information, if you will. And I like that this one is kind of like, it's got a little bit of a farce to it. You know? Yeah, the first one was like a lot of setup. And you have to, and you have a baby strong enough to lift a car, you have to set that up. I get it. <laughs> but it's so much setup. And then this one is just like, let's just get into the fun and immediately give, get, get rid of his powers. <laughs> now that you know what Superman can do, let's see what Clark Kent can do. And I fucking love it. I yeah, also think the, the showdown in this movie is epically better. You've got, like, good versus bad, hot versus cold, tight versus loose in terms of the suits they're wearing. Like, it's giving you everything you need. You've got Metropolis on its fucking knees. Everybody loves when an alien crash lands into, like, a redneck part of town. I love a movie where they're like, let's put people in the weirdest situations, and they're just gonna wreck shop. And they're not (laughs) even gonna find out what's going on in Texas. They're just gonna ruin Texas. (laughs) 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 and they kind of like when they land they kind of make fun of everybody love it like they're like oh you don't have a hurricane breath goodbye like they're just like so unimpressed with earth but i just i love it i think this is the movie that i remember more when i think about watching superman in my youth i watched all of them of course but like this is the one that really stuck as like this is what a fucking superhero movie is before i even understood the context of they just want to get down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I, I definitely think the the pacing of it is more enjoyable than the first one. You know, I love that the hairs, the hair changes on Lois and freaking Lex, Lex. Luthor. Like, <laughs> I'm like, that's funny. Like, that's just random. And then part of me is like, is that part of the farce? But even though I know that technically there was like, it was like a shoot where they, they filmed both of them at the same time, right? Like one right. and two and then, they had to do pickups and everybody's hair changed or something like that. I think that's what happened. I don't know, but I think so. And they were like, well, we'll just go with it. She's got spit curls now. Whatever. Yeah. I, and so, like, again, maybe that is, 
Maybe Lois's hair is the balls pop out of Superman 2, where it's just like, let's just keep it in, whatever. Like, we're just having fun. <laughs> Doesn't make years. sense. But 40 years of those balls. <laughs> 40 years. I fucking love it. But yeah, it is. Yeah. And I also think, Lex, like, again, one the last thing that I think makes this movie better is Lex Luthor is, is used very sparingly and almost only for comedic effect. So his yeah. part in the villainy is much funnier. Yeah. But yeah, I love this movie. I fucking love it. Well, I'm so glad that you made the case for Superman 2, honestly, because it was really fun. This is like a franchise that like I also remember from childhood. And like, I haven't seen these movies in a really long time. And I was, it was like so fun to go back and watch all of them because I'm yeah. just like, yo, like... I mean, knowing what we know now about, like, modern kind of superhero movies, it's fun to go back and watch these because they're, like... I mean, there's, like, a lot of practical effects in them, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, there's, like, you know, computerized type of stuff, but there's a lot of, like, people on wires and shit. Like, it's amazing. There's one point where Superman, like, flies up to a building, and then you can almost see the wires, like, turning him up. Because he goes so slow, like he's like, kick, 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 pew, and then he takes <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, there are like shit. moments where they're flying around. Him and Lois are flying around, and she's like legit nervous. <laughs> where she's like, don't drop me, Superman. We're above the the cloud line. And I was like, I think it's because they're actually on wires. And she's like, you know, I don't know if that's actually true. Don't come at me, people. But I'm like, you know, it. there's like a genuine fear because I'm like, no, that's not a computerized thing. This yeah, is- she's like, don't drop me Christopher Reeve. <laughs> <laughs> because we are on wires. Yeah, I have to say, like, I went on like a little bit of a, a deep dive on Christopher Reeve, obviously, like when I wa- rewatched these movies and I was like, I got to say, he should have always dyed his hair black. He looks so good with black hair, dude. Not a lot of people do, but he manages it. He just, he killed it. He killed this fucking role. He was great at Superman. He was great at Clark Kent. He did both very, very fun, like very believably in in either role, which is not easy to do. Yeah. Yeah, I just think, you know, I think where my... My sequel is kind of like a standalone thing, maybe. I feel like this, your sequel took... It's almost like the Magic Mike double XL, where they took the, the good, fun parts of the first one and then just made an entire movie out of it. Completely. You know what I mean? Completely. So. They had a lot of fun with it. And I, again, Mario the Godfather Muso wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> so you wouldn't expect that, but they did have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, I loved this week. I did, too. It was so fun. It was so filthy, as we've been known to do here. (laughs) I saw what you did. You know my my great aunt listens to this show? She's 92. Oh, my God, really? Yeah, the last time she visited, (laughs) she was like, I found your podcast. And I was like, "Mm, go for it, girl. Yeah, I, I swear, when any real adult tells me... Oh, I found your podcast. I seize. I just seize up. My entire blood runs cold. I love it. I'm, I'm like, like uh. I'm like, no, go learn everything about me. It'll make our relationship so much deeper. <laughs> go. Well, for now it. my mom will definitely know that I would be willing to have my asshole split apart <laughs> if it meant that I got to bang Superman. So cool. 
<laughs> Hi, Danielle's aunt. <laughs> you know that about me now, too. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Well, well, why don't you tell them? I think the fun's going to keep rolling next week. So why don't you tell them what the films are for next week? Oh, my God. I will. Yes. Awesome. So next week's movies are In Bruges from 2008 and Swingers from 1996. Ooh, look, spring has sprung and we are just in a lighter place, <laughs> moving away from military and fucking dark <laughs> turns. And we're just bringing you some fun fucking movies next week. Dude, I'm so excited. This was a fun episode. I can't wait for next week. If you want to email us, of course, we're at I saw what you did pod at gmail.com. And you can find us on our social media at I saw pod on Instagram and Twitter. That's right. And we have merch. Go to the I saw what you did section of the exactly right shop to find our hoodie, Bargello kit, pins, what have you. Do not forget about our bonus episodes. They are dropping on the main feed now every third Thursday of the month. So next week you'll get a new bonus, but we're also trickling out main feed uh, into the main feed episodes, some of our old bonuses. So you get a lot of us during the week. You get at least two times, sometimes three times during the week. Wow. Uh, well, listen, Danielle, always a fucking pleasure doing this podcast with you. I laugh so hard the every time. Best. I love you. You're the greatest. You're the greatest. Bye. See y'all later. This has been an Exactly Right production. Produced by Casey O'Brien. Mixed by Edson Choi. Our theme song is by Tom Bryfogel. Artwork by Garrett Ross. Our executive producers are Georgia Hardstart, Karen Kilgariff, and Danielle Kramer. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at IsawPod. And you can email us at IsawWhatYouDidPod at Gmail. Follow I Saw What You Did on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate and review the show. And visit ExactlyRightStore.com to purchase I Saw What You Did merch.